From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, no four, no 14, no freaking problem. Florida State remains undefeated, scans their ticket to Charlotte after a victory at Pitt. Grading the defense, paltry Pitt offense, but another second-half shutout, and the ever-evolving postseason picture. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com website, virtual Physical address, 2475 Appalachie Parkway. Lunch specials Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Mondays, which you've probably been doing for like the last 14 of these, at least when there's been a football game. I guess the bowl game wasn't played, though. And then the Florida game was on a Friday, so take back all that I said there. But Monday victory burgers are still a thing, everybody. Half-pound Black Angus Burger, $8.99. Comes with a side dish of your choice over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Be sure to come out Friday when you're in town for the big game. Jeff Cameron, Corey Clark, live happy hour, in person, shaking hands. If you have an infant, toddler, maybe soft kiss on the head, perhaps. Or a, uh, a wife, a girlfriend. Okay. Aggressive, but... <laughs> hey, look, well, yes, that was aggressive, but what are you going to do? I, I think it's weird to kiss babies. Hmm. You okay. know what I mean? Okay. And I'm talking about like kisses on the cheek, like uh, Richard Dawson style back mm. in Family Feud days. All right. Very gentlemanly. Mm. Yeah. So come on out. Five o'clock. Happy hour. Pre-game show going on. Post-game show as always. Getting you ready for the big one, y'all. The big one. Corey Clark's here, everybody. Corey, how are you, man? How's your weekend, friend? Uh, Yeah, it was good, buddy. It was good. It probably wasn't as eventful as yours. Mm. I got to just sit on my couch all day and watch football. And uh, you took a... How, how'd that 5 a.m. flight go getting uh, back from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um, not too bad, although pound for pound on November 5th, 2023, year of our Lord, uh, Pittsburgh International Airport was pound for pound the worst airport probably in the country. Mm. Uh, TSA pre-check line was closed, so I had to go through like another line. Uh, I finally wait through that for like 10, 15 minutes, get to the guide security, and then they're like, TSA pre-check line is now open. Um, and they give you like a slip of paper and like, hey, you're not in the pre-check line, but you still have pre-check status. You don't have to take off your belt and your shoes, but you do have to take your electronics out. And I'm like, brother, this bag is nothing but electronics. It's my camera bag. It's got cables and cords and batteries right. and cameras. So that was a whole fiasco. Um, getting to the actual terminal, Ira and I stayed at an airport that we could see the terminal, the tarmac from our window. But from it still the hotel, took us- you mean? Yeah, yeah, sorry. But it took us 15 minutes to get to the airport in the shuttle. I, I, we took like two exits off an interstate. Made no sense. But yeah, I woke up at 3 in the morning. Mm. Um, was up out of bed by like 3.02. Had everything kind of packed and ready to go. Uh, Ira, I took the 3.30 shuttle. Ira took the 3 o'clock shuttle uh, because right. he's cautious and he's smart. I right. kind of cut a little bit close, but it all worked out. But yeah, I don't recommend the 5 a.m. flight. I guess it's Yikes. a northeastern thing. Because we were, we were complaining, I was complaining about it on the way to the game with our Uber driver. I was like, man, I've never heard of a domestic 5 a.m. flight. He's like, because well, you're from Florida. You guys don't do 5 a.m. flights down there. I'm like, yeah, we do not. But I guess maybe it's a Northwestern, hardworking, Rust Belt kind of thing. But I'm a man of Florida. I'm a Florida man. Yeah. And you left with a win. You got to see a dub. I did. I did. But I also lost a shirt and I left a charger at two different hotels. So I've never. 
bad weekend in terms of holding on to my possessions. Oh. But but the Knolls holding on to the nine and zero. Yeah. Uh, now have a piece of that ACC top mm-hmm. share, whatever you want to call it. They'll be going to Charlotte for the first time. Nine years? Yeah, 14. My goodness, my goodness. So, 24-7, to 7, we didn't pull an okey-doke on you. I think we kind of knew that Johnny Wilson wasn't going to play. I was caught off guard by Keon yeah. not playing. Um, and this is what it's going to look like. And listen, we'll get to it, I think, later on the show, maybe later on this week, maybe later on this season, where I understand there's things that you folks won't particularly like seeing your favorite football team do in football games. I understand it. I just think that there is there is no perfect team. There is no perfectly coached uh, scenario, situational football team out there in the country. This team continues to do uh, the best they can every single Saturday. They were shorthanded and still nearly should have covered uh, their 24-7 victory over Pitt. Again, they're going to Charlotte. Everything is in their destiny still, Corey. You said it wasn't gross. I thought you, In a tweet, you said you thought it wasn't gross. It was gross, but it's fine. It was to be expected with everything they had to deal with. Well, it's not gross. Look, if Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson had been available, uh, th- that would have been a gross showing to, to only have ten points in the half, mm. to only uh, you know twenty four in the game for you got for for this offense is uh, you know severely underperforming. But man, look at that wide receiver core. Like who respectfully, I, respectfully look at it. But no, and I mean like okay, so your two bet your two NFL guys, including a guy that who might be the second best receiver in the country, doesn't play. Um, then Portier, who's the next man up, is clearly not a hundred percent. Destin Hill looked like he was on one leg. Vandravius Jacobs even gets in the game and then gets knocked out. Deuce Span didn't play. Like so, you're literally down to who? Darian Williamson and Jakai Douglas. Right, that you could say we're healthy. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. And so for your quarterback still to still throw for 360 yards and your offense to get 500 season high 360 yards. That's crazy. Um, and and so that just says a lot about obviously Jakai had a very good game and a very much uh, a very needed and big game. But man, like you think about what this receiving core was, what it looked like three weeks ago. Uh, Hiking Williams too didn't couldn't play. Didn't travel. So you're down to two able-bodied receivers that are scholarship players. That's crazy because that is a deep room, and then all of a sudden there's nobody there. There's nobody available. Ja'Kai's having to play outside. He's having to play a brand-new position. Um, he wasn't even in the slot. In, in, um, so I, I just think with that is the backdrop, and let's be honest, um, knowing that you don't have one of those offensive lines that can just say, you know what, get on our back. We're going to push you ahead to freedom. Follow us to freedom, baby. We're gonna we're gonna ground and pound for 300 yards. You don't have an offensive line like that, and I don't know if there is one in the country that that could do it when Pitt is gonna play that aggressive a defense. I mean, they were daring you to throw the ball, daring you. So to still come out with a win with all that going against you and still put up the 500 yards and kind of cruise for the final 20 minutes, um, take control of the game when you had your opportunity to. That was cool, but yeah, the first half. Felt a lot like that Penn State Ohio State game. Remember that? Watch. I watched every second of that first half. And it's like these two offenses are horrible. But yeah. the difference is there was a reason why Florida State's couldn't move the ball. Oh, you're missing the two dudes. You're missing your two superstar wide receivers. Of course, it's going to affect you. But at no point, I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I can maybe speak for the program here. Like at no point did you feel threatened. I didn't. Like I, I maybe threatens a weird adjective to use here, a verb. Um, at no point did I feel like this had the makings of an upset. You know, I mean, I, I realize you were down. 
you turn the ball over, but it's just like you are so supremely talented in that team. You've done all the right things up to this point. You have the better quarterback. Their quarterback, their offense uh, was, you know, decent at best. So, like, at no point was I scared the Florida State was going to let this one slip away. But maybe it's because I'm not as emotionally invested as most people listening to the show. Well, but you also, like, that the, the recipe was playing out for how something like that happens. Like, you get down early. Man, the Cypress play, we'll never really know how big that play ended up being. Because mm, yeah. there is a chance you're down 14 to nothing. And then everything, everything gets tighter. Um, and so, anyway, so the Cypress play is a huge play. Obviously... Let's not let it let Pitt hit you for an 82-yard pass, gang. Let's not do that. But and he got away with a fast face mask at the end. But who cares? He knocked the ball out. He did show a lot of a fight to get to even try to tackle the kid and then knock the ball out. But you're down seven to nothing. You don't have an offense that can just rely on an offensive line to run the ball. What makes your offense special? Obviously, your quarterback. But then those two wideouts make your offense special. And when you don't have them. Well, all of a sudden, you're kind of pedestrian. Mm. And something happens. Uh, you had a fumble to derail a drive. You go for it on fourth and two. You you just can't convert fourth downs anymore. You don't get any points on a 92-yard drive. You get zero points. Those are the recipes that happen. You're in a game in the second quarter. You're in the game in the second half. One, you know, drop a punt. Give up a punt return. Uh, have a kick block, something like that can flip a game. And then all of a sudden it turns into Pitt Louisville. But th- that's what I was uh, really encouraged by what I saw from the defense. Cause the defense after uh, I wrote a story about it, that's on the website, they gave up 160 yards in the stretch of 10 plays and then gave up basically 160 yards over the next 50 plays. Like they had a bad stretch. Pitt hits the 80 yard pass, but you force the fumble. And then two drives later, they go, 64 yards in four plays. Other than that, they did nothing. They never really threatened you. And that's because the defense didn't give them wide open things to hit. And that was, I I just, I was very encouraged that when the offense was struggling like it was going to without those guys, you were able to rely on the other side of the ball to make sure you never felt threatened. You know, that was, that was what was encouraging because I agree with you. You watch that game and the way it played out, you're like, man, how's Pitt going to score again? Mm. And they couldn't. But that's because the defense was playing so sound. And I thought the defensive front overwhelmed the pit front at times. Yeah, I think even Narduzzi was talking about the amount of penalties they had and was like, yeah, we only had like one or two on defense. And it was basically kind of saying, like, you know, offensively, we just couldn't uh, figure things out. Um, you know, what was the bigger storyline, I guess, for you then coming out of this one, Corey? Was it the fact that you don't have your wide receivers and like your all-world NFL first round? Yeah you know, first two day draft pick guys. Um, but finding a way to set a season high in passing yardage or, or is it a little bit of the fact that, you know, at this point now, you know, this team will evolve maybe in some of the things that we think about it, but it it does seem like, you know, what you have with the offensive line. Like it's not going to be a dominant offensive line to your point. There might not be a lot of other teams out there. If they're not playing Southern Cal, they can just put their noses down and just start moving the pile. Um, what is the, the, the bigger kind of point that's going to maybe help carry the, the tide the rest of the way? The fact that you have other guys that might be able to step up here out wide or 
you know, this concern possibly of your offensive line not being nearly as stout or dominant as you had hoped and expected going into November? No, because I feel like we knew that anyway. Uh, we, we knew that before the pit game that this was just an adequate to pretty good offensive line. It's not special. It's not incredible. It's not dominant. But it can be mitigated with incredible skill players. And we're, you know, look, there, there are teams all over the country that lose receivers. Uh, that a receiver can't play, or even a top, you know, the top two receivers can't play. Well, those teams don't have top two receivers like this. Like you think about the throws that Jordan was making down the middle of the field. Those are 40 yard passes to Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, maybe touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And Darian Williamson's just not making that catch. Portier's just not making that catch. Almost made it. That's two weeks in a row. Those guys had really close calls with Kentron yeah. and Darion. So yeah, keep yeah. It, guys. you'd like them to make them, but they didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think my headline, man, is what I wrote about in the column. And I talked about after the uh, on the War Chant rap is, you know, the, the headline for this game is to avoid the huge upset. Mm. That's all that's all Saturday was about is not it wouldn't be stubbing your toe. It would be lopping your foot off and throwing it in a wood chipper. Your whole body like that. That would have been a horrific loss. It would have been a Jacksonville State esque loss. Nah. It would have been catastrophic because of what's still on the table. Yeah. So just survive against a bad team, which is what you did. Didn't play great on either side of the ball for stretches, but you survived and you survived some real adversity without having your two kind of get out of jail free cards on offense. Like, oh, it's not open. I'll just throw it up to him. They can't cover him. Right, we got one-on-one out there. Okay, that's that's candy from a baby. Um, we'll just use that. We'll, we'll, we'll exploit that. You had to go find all your yards. He had to scheme a lot of them open, which you don't usually have to do when you have great greatness out wide. So that, to me, was the headline, is just get through it. And now here's the other headline, gang. If Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson for some reason can't play for the rest of the year, well, you're not winning the national championship. <laughs> then you're probably not getting to the playoff, quite frankly. Because I think there's three teams left on your schedule. Well, maybe not. Miami looked horrific on Saturday. Mm. But I just I just feel like maybe it's the cynical Atlanta fan in me um, that they will find a way to muster up something on uh, this Saturday, and they will look better. Van Dyke won't play that poorly again. We'll see, though, because he's just been kind of bad all year. No, second but, half. I mean, yeah, second half of the season he's been Yeah, he was pretty poor. good against A&M, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and made some throws against North Carolina. So, But, uh, but yeah, so the point being, you can get away with having six straight possessions where you don't score like you did in the first half on Saturday. They even get a first down? There was a stretch where it felt like they even get a first yeah, they down. Yeah, it's like two or three straight. It's like three straight three and outs. Yeah. You can have a stretch like that against Pitt. Because their offense is so bad, uh, Miami. What do you recommend? You it. can, yeah, yeah. At Florida, no. And against Louisville in the or whoever you play in the in Charlotte, no. And the reason the offense didn't look crisp at times is again, you didn't have Keon and Johnny. So, but the point being, this is what the offense will look like with it. You don't have much special when those guys aren't playing. You have a quarterback that really sees things that's good and and almost gets taken for granted. You have a running back that, when there is a hole there and he hits it hard, is is Yawn. just fun to watch. But and you have good tight ends, but the elite special dudes, they're not there if you don't have four and fourteen, a skill player wise. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you're pretty but... good. You're pretty good to good everywhere else, but you don't have the special guys that turn a good offense into a great offense. 
Or even, I don't know, man, if you didn't have Johnny and Keon for the whole season, yeah, I guess it would be a it would be a decent offense. But those guys change it into a next level offense. And to get to where you want to be, you're gonna have to have your NFL dudes out there. Probably starting this weekend. And that's obviously something we can keep an eye on, gang. <laughs> Uh, I would suggest maybe what you know if you're a member of Warchant reading the practice updates on Tuesday and Wednesday. If you want to know, we don't tell you who doesn't practice, but we would absolutely make a point of telling you who does practice. So maybe uh, click on the message boards or click on the stories if you're if I if we write stories about it. We'll definitely write updates from practice and see who practiced this week because I think that's all anybody will care about. If you have Keon and Johnny against Miami, don't you feel like you love your chances? Yeah, and I think that's why they're a two touchdown favorite because they're. Ex- I would, I would expect they're expected to play. Yeah, don't replicate some of this stuff against Miami, uh, but I still think you could probably overcome it uh, because that team against just not all that disciplined, uh, and I don't know what they're really going to be relying on other than having like a pretty good offensive line. Maybe that's some stuff that they they would see. I mean, Florida State has had moments. Well, like, I almost feel bad pointing that out because, listen, it's a 60-minute football game and you know, they're on scholarship too, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's some times where they, they're getting moved. This this rushing defense yep. that is stout maybe isn't nearly as suffocating as, as we would like to think. Um, you know, Miami, I think, is going to present that kind of challenge. Maybe we'll dive into it a little bit yep. later on in the week. But, I mean, that's something – that's probably the, the, the bigger key for them, I would imagine, than, than Van Dyke making plays. Because for Van Dyke, I mean, don't make mistakes – and let's see if we can just run the ball as best as we possibly can and shorten this game, I would think. Um, but that's that's the Miami game. We're talking yeah. about Florida State. We're talking about Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, Ventral Cypress's play, yeah, we probably will never know just how uh, big of a deal that was. But ultimately, uh, what do you think that the defense did so well? I mean, how much of this was the defense having a, an error or two, Corey, and, and figuring it out? How much of it is that Pitt's quarterback – uh, and their offensive line just maybe aren't the caliber of, of team that, that could, could hang with Florida State. I, I don't want to diminish anything, but how do you kind of judge a team when you're going up against an opponent like Pitt when you're talking about the defensive play? Yeah, that's why it was kind of, it was kind of hard to write about after the game because I want to give them credit. They gave up seven points. If Again, if they give up seven points for every game the rest of the way, your team is going to win a national championship. Um, that's a really good thing to only to give up single digits is 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 uh, in in this day and age is the way you win a game. You're not going to lose any games where you only give up seven points. But the pit offense was so bad, and some of that was Florida State making them look bad, and some of it was Florida State rattling that kid. Um, but also he was making his third start, and he was coming off a horrific game. Um, and you got a huge break by Fentrell's play. Who again? Who knows how what that does for the confidence of the offense, for the confidence of that kid. But as the game wore on, it was clear that you had him. He he, he was he didn't feel comfortable at all. And you know you now have. I looked it up. You have the fourth best pass efficiency defense in the country. Everybody you play the last five games has been under 50% passing against your secondary. Um, I just think the defense has been, uh, as we talked about, man, this is this is the recipe to get to where this team wants to go. You know what the offense is when it's at working at peak capacity. Now you know this defense, while again, not 21 Georgia, is good enough to, to, to get the ball back to your offense and to not be embarrassed or humiliated. They're going to give up some plays, but they're also going to figure you out, and they're going to make it tough for you. Um, and I, I just thought... 
um, by and large, that was a that was a really good game when they needed it. It wasn't an absolute dominant performance. You did give up 330 yards against a a, a bad offense, but seven points. And in the second half, wipe Aslan, out that wipe out that 80 yard play that resulted. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So. well, you can't do that. And it, it because it did happen. And uh, I hate that he's just wide open. You know, I hate giving up just wide open middle of the field easy layup throws like that. Yeah. Uh, but even if you take that away, they had you know whatever they had 251 yards of offense in. 11 possessions and I, I think their last seven possessions were punt 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 interception punt fumble that's how that's that's how you do it man they didn't get past your 26 yard line correct by the way yeah. they, they didn't get past your 26 yard line the rest of the, that after their after they uh scored their touchdown they never got closer than your 26 and they were there for one play until that kid said whatever he said to that referee it knocked them out of field goal range um, he, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I must, I think those referees hear the worst things humanity has ever created in the English language <laughs> on those sidelines yeah. and they never throw a flag. They'll do a sideline warning occasionally. Imagine Jimbo for three hours talking your ear off. And then that kid, what could he have possibly said? Aslan? I, somebody in the press box said they, they thought somebody threw a football at maybe the down player or somebody that was on the field like in an unsportsmanlike manner but i didn't see it i was like down oh so up. that because that was the play i think where burst was on the ground correct it is yes it is oh and you think maybe that tight end came over and threw something at him that's what somebody in the press one of the reporters up there was saying like oh i thought i just saw somebody wing a football and i was like huh well uh, that would make more sense the old doug johnson play yeah from yeah. uh if you you old school florida state fans will remember that uh reference but yeah so that the defense uh you know, you could say, you know, the offense put up 500 yards. They, they scored 24. They scored enough. But the defense was the reason you won that game. But it should have been. Right, because right. when you talk about how much better you are than the than your opponent, certainly on that side of the ball, it was supposed to be a mismatch. You are experienced and loaded up front. You have NFL players on your defensive line. You have experience in your back seven. That is a bad offense with a inexperienced quarterback and a not very good offensive line. You did what you had to do. And I do agree there were times where it felt like the defensive line was getting pushed a little bit. But when you look at their numbers, they rushed for less than 100 yards. Hmm. So, you, you, again, that's how you avoid upset. You make a bad quarterback, or at least an inexperienced quarterback, have to beat you with his right arm. You don't give him free first downs. You don't let him run all over you, and you didn't. And that's how you uh, won the game. And almost covered. If my man Conrad Hussey keeps his feet, it doesn't just trip. That is a 75-yard pick six that gets you to your 30-point plateau and has some people making a lot of money probably. Mm. Rumor is uh, he forgot to take his Vitamin Energy Focus Plus. Uh, it's all right. We'll bring some out to Conrad as, sure, as long as we get it by compliance and make sure it's all kosher. Uh, you folks – don't have to go anywhere. You can just go right to your computer and go to the internet. Go to vitaminenergy.com and use the promo code WordChampBogo on your first purchase, and you will buy an item and get one of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. Vitamin Energy is not just 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine energy, but there's also vitamins, real vitamins, stuff that improves your day, improves your well-being. In fact, after a 14-day clinical trial, 64% of participants said they felt the shots are a great mood booster. 78% agreed that the shots were effective at reducing brain fog. Vitamin Energy is the world's first and only clinically proven energy shot. 
and a Florida State guy behind it all is helping you folks out. So go to vitaminenergy.com. We're not going to compare it against any other substance out there on the market that Ira and Corey like to bring up right. in their wildly popular word chant rap presented by Vitamin Energy, or rather the Vitamin Energy word chant rap. But you know it's good stuff. Go check them out, vitaminenergy.com. Use the promo code WordChantBogo, WordChant, B-O-G-O. Shake it and take it, vitaminenergy.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Corey, let's look at some of these, I guess, bigger picture topics, uh, if you will. Okay. You know, I, I say we're going to have a moratorium on this program of, of comparing this team uh, to the 2013 team. Uh, after the scare we had against Boston College, I think most everybody agreed on it, co-signed on it. By the uh, way, how about my BC Eagles, though, baby? Well, we got we got another break, and we'll, oh, we'll okay. talk about our picks. But, oh. yeah, uh, you did well. You did well on no, your picks. No, I just meant that like that looked like such a horrible win. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, man, if they don't if they don't grab Toa Feely's face mask, I think we all think there's at least a good chance BC wins that game. Well, that would make Boston College 7-2. and two. Mm. And you As it play. is, they're 6-3. and three. Yeah. That's a, that's, They got a better record than Clemson. It's a, uh, it's a, it, it's turning into not being as horrible a loss as it looked. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Horrible so, a win. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, you know, didn't really want to compare this team to 2013, and I think we all can kind of can agree why now. Yeah. Um, but just looking at this team, who they've played, like the LSU game, no matter what, I still think holds up. Oh yeah. I don't know who Clemson really is. Uh, they're probably not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be, and they're probably not as bad as we thought they were after the Miami loss. Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure, sure. Does Ohio State's win at Notre Dame right? Yeah. fall behind Florida State's win at Clemson now, like on the resume ladder? Like, where where are we now? That's a pretty good win now, right? Yeah, we got to. Because that was one of Ohio State's best wins. Yeah, we got to have like was a Was at Notre chart. Dame, and then Notre Dame just lost to Clemson, so now I feel like maybe Florida State's win at Clemson. Should at least even out with Ohio. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but what if you know what if and what if Penn State beats Michigan this week though? Does that put Ohio State's win back in the uh, correct? Yep. Or if they yep. get pummeled by Michigan, does that mean that the Penn State loss was absolutely yeah. meaningless? Yep. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, but it, it's just difficult. I think to to really, we're at a point now where I think most people listening to this podcast are bracing for this team to make the playoff, which I think is totally practical and fair and, and maybe even probable. I think the All-State playoff predictor has Florida State as the second most likely team to make it into the playoff. But I just think that this team, it's going to be so similar, I think, to 2013 and to where they get to the postseason. I think they're going to get into the playoff, and I, I could see them totally falling behind after one half of football against one of these teams from a Power 5 conference that they would face in a playoff. I could see a, a 21 to seven deficit and I can just see all the tweets that happened in 2013, you know, a, yeah. after you're trailing to Auburn and then you just kind of find a way to battle back and win the game because this conference is down, man. Um, you know, these next few weeks, Washington is going to get beat up on by teams in the PAC 12. And that's a kind of a weird thing to, to try to make sense of. But I think most every other team in the country that's in this sort of neighborhood that Florida State's in right now. It's going to have a harder schedule than Florida State has to close out the season. But I just still think that we have seen enough from them, and, and that LSU game should be still at the front of everyone's mind 
that they are more than capable and they can hang and they will find ways to win. And that needs to kind of over or supersede any concerns that people have about the fourth down problems, calling weird trick plays. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a push and pull going to be happening now here as we we get to the nitty-gritty part of the schedule. But ultimately, even if they do find themselves in, in predicaments, haven't they shown us they'll figure out ways to battle out of it because they are supremely talented? And maybe they won't be against these other teams, but they have enough talent, they have enough good coaching to be able to continue to fight back even if they fall into an early hole against a talented football team. Yeah, I mean, as long as they have all their weapons with them. Right. You know, again, I think you're speaking as if Florida State's at peak capacity offensively because, yes, I do think no matter who they play the rest of the season – there will be a stretch of, I don't know, two, three, four possessions where they don't look great. They might struggle, be a little sluggish. But when you have four and 14 out there to go along with six and 84, and my man zero and three, like you, you, you've got guys that can go make plays, but when you have the special guys, you know it's only a matter of time. The reason Saturday was different, man, four minutes, five minutes to go in the first half, I'm like, man, it is. it might not be a matter of time. And it's not just because I don't think they just they had two really healthy bodies instead of, you know, Johnny Wilson out wide. You have Kyle Morlock out wide and Morlock played great. And it's been a very good addition to this team. He's not Johnny Wilson. He doesn't scare you deep. You don't have to shade a safety over there. Uh, But also they were having to use tight ends for receivers. They were having to use slot guys for outside guys because they were just out of bodies. And I'm like, man, it's a it's a very pedestrian offense when you're that thin at receiver but if they're healthier where you have like a deuce span as your number seven if you have Hakeem Williams as your fifth guy man that's tough to deal with so that's what I that's why I think if this thing is operating at beat capacity in healthy yes I do think you look around and you say absolutely you might be in a 14 to 3 hole this offense is going to get going the quarterback is too good and his skill players are too good, they will get going. Saturday, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't so sure. Just because that group was not all that special with missing those two guys, and with other guys being hurt. Destin Hill having to play through an injury, Portier having to play through an injury, and Ja'Kai Douglas being 5-9. Like you, you just weren't as special on Saturday as you will need to be in some of these games coming up. Yeah, I think people have some concerns. I agree with what you're saying there. Uh when they see the fourth and the fourth down plays not happening and you know it hasn't cost them again by maybe the law of averages it will cost them at some point because they seemingly go for it every single game so you can maybe end up using no problem with that decision by the way um i i see the counter to be like look it's not fourth and an inch he tripped though right like oh i don't know i benson i'm not sure i um but it's fourth and two. You've already driven 90 yards. You're playing a bad offense, so even if you don't get it. I mean, I just feel like if you drive 90 yards, by the way, Ja'Kai catch the ball <laughs> on a punt. If Ja'Kai catches that punt, so you're not starting at the ball with your at your one or two or whatever it was, you are already in the end zone. But anyway, uh, you know, if you drive 90, 92 yards and you only get a field goal, that feels like a loss. And so, I, plus, even if you don't get it, which you didn't, Pitt gets the ball inside their own 10. And that's not a good offense. So there, I and it was fourth and two, not fourth and five. So I don't want people to think that I'm always against fourth downs. I think it's the right decision to go for it there. Uh, but I mean that play had no chance. Um, I, I just think early in the game, if he can, 
your quarterback has to keep it more than he kept it to get the running game going. Mm. Um, and it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen on that play. I think he did keep it on like a third and short, and that got blown up one time. After Benson, quite frankly, has to get a first down there. I don't know. Were you in the press box or on the field? Press box. Yeah. So it was in the first half. Benson has a it's a nice little hole. I think it was a four yard run. It was third and it was second and five, and he had a four yard run, and he kind of went down for my taste. And again, I know he is a robot compared to me. He is a cyborg, but he went down a little too easily for me. And he and he came up about a half a yard short of the first down. Now he can't see the yellow line, obviously, but he needs to get the first down there. So instead of first and ten, it's third and short, and then you're just not. You're not great in obvious rundowns unless your quarterback keeps it, typically. You're just not great at it, and you've got to coach to that now. So fourth and two, which is an obvious rundown, and you've got a team that's selling out to stop the run, you're not going to be able to push people out of the way to get a first down. It's just a numbers game, and you're not good enough up front against a, you know, Pitt's not a horrible defense. They were top 50. Um, you know, and they have dudes, they have some dudes up front that you, you're, you can't just say it's fourth and short. Let's give the ball to our tailback. He's going to get us two yards. That has not worked all year, at least in the not last three games you've tried it. So that's, that was my issue with the call. Not so much the decision. The fact that he didn't have his two best players and he was going up against that opponent and he still has the same aggressiveness though. I guess kind of goes counter to my thought that I've, I've just been like, I don't think he'll be nearly as aggressive when he is playing a team that's on the same caliber and on the same kind of level playing with them. Um, I mean, you know, you talked about that. Who's that going to well, be? When you get to the playoff though. Oh, like, okay. I got you. I see. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to jinx anything. I just feel like, you know, we're kind of getting at a point as adults where we can look at the schedule and, um, you know, figure that they have a, a pretty good shot at all this. So, I mean, you know, the fact that he still kind of has this, I'm doing this no matter, I mean, not, you know, the analytics, the analytics seem to, to overrule even personnel uh, at this point with him. So I still don't think though, I don't know, Corey, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about both sides of my mouth. There. I, I, I don't want to, I want to believe that he wouldn't do some of these fourth and three going forward on their own 38 yard line in a one possession game right. in the second quarter. Uh, but has he shown enough now through three and a half seasons and I guess this season along with this particular team that you think he'll continue to, to believe in what they can do in short yardage. Yeah. But again, he did it on, he did it at their seven yard line or their five yard line, whatever it was. He didn't do it at his own 30. Um, I don't think he, that is what he will do. I, I think he's always going to be aggressive. He's always going to believe in his offense, but again, I it's, it's, you know, I don't think he go, he's not Lane Kiffin. He doesn't, and, and he's not Jimbo. He's in the middle. Mm. Um, but man, the, the problem I had with it was what have you seen early on in this game that thinks you can run that play and get and, and grind out two and a half yards? What have you seen? Like the, the best play in the LSU game, maybe the biggest play, is when they went for it on fourth down. And do you remember what they called? Screen pass? To Toa Feely for 45 yards. Like that's – if you have a play like that locked and loaded – and I know it's I can't be in the camp of oh I only like the plays that work you know call the play that works coach, but again I, I just think that you you put in fourth and two with a quarterback like Jordan Travis you against a defense like that that you know is bringing pressure you either you get him on the edge with a run pass option and a play fake 
you don't just hand the ball off. That's just not I, – I, I mean, I, I could have told you that. I think most people watching could have told you after watching the beginning of that game, okay, that's not don't, – don't call that. But it happened. It's fine. You won the game. It is interesting to think about what he would do in a similar situation in the swamp. But I, but I also think I do think I don't think he's just straight analytical. Like, hey, I'm going for it. I do think that if he's in a game, if that's against Miami, and it's the first quarter, and maybe it's not a 92 yard drive, it's fourth and three at the 15 yard line in a zero zero game. I think he's kicking the field goal. No. I think it's because he's playing or Florida too. Get on board. Get on top. Get yeah. points. But against that team, with that offense and that quarterback, giving them the ball inside their 10, even if you don't get it, and having been on a 92-yard drive where you'd feel like, golly, we had to settle, that would I, I just feel like that all played into it. I do think there's some gut in there, and it's not all just a straight analytical mind. We got to go for it because that's what the book says to do. All right. I'm not that upset they didn't score 30 points, but I didn't have, I am. I didn't have money I am. involved. Okay. Uh, sorry. Oh, no, I didn't either. It wasn't for the money. It was just a cool streak to have. Well, I'm I'm fine with it snapping now, kind of like, uh, although it didn't work out for the Colts that one year where they were chasing perfection. They're like, ah, we'll just uh, sit everybody in the last game right. and let's get this pressure off of us. Yeah. Because I could just see that. I could see that graphic at the bottom of the screen when they – if they were to lose a game, right? Like, They're playing Michigan, and it's yes. uh, 23 to 17 in the fourth quarter. It says yeah. they've scored 30 plus in 18 straight. Yeah, I yeah. got you. And also because I think it was kind of Norvell's way of atoning to the football gods for running that 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 toss back play, which I don't know what you're doing running like a reverse pitch back to Jordan to throw when the game is done and out of it's it's over, man. Run the ball, get out of Pittsburgh alive. He ends up taking a sack on that play. I think. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. You were. It didn't cost he, you the game, but not only did he did was it not a good play, um, but also because it was an injury. I think somebody had gotten hurt on the play on the previous play. I think it was like second and three, or second and four. I think they had had a pretty good play right before it, and then the clock stopped because there was an injury. Well. They go to commercial because they have to. Every time there's an injury, let's go to commercial. I know you don't see that in the press box, but it can be maddening. But they come back, and I and they and Jordan's at the line, and then they wind the clock, and there literally is 39 or 38 on the play clock, and they snap. And the clock's running. The game the game clock's running, and the play clock is running. It's like, man, get out of the stadium with your win. Let twenty and they did a good job for the most part those last few drives or possessions where Jordan was like, "Hey, calm down, relax. We're letting this clock run. We're letting this clock run." They did a really good job of that, and he does do a good job of that. Norvell, for the most part, I was just not only was it crazy to to snap it with the, the play clock in the thirties, but then yes, then then that was the play that you ran and you went from second and short to third and fifteen, and your quarterback took an unneeded hit. Also, throw the ball away, Jordan. Yeah, that too. The ball. That I too. mean, I guess he kept the clock running. Yeah. He did keep the clock running there, but yeah, so that none of it worked out well. But maybe it's they're setting something up, Aslan. I guess they're setting they're setting something up on that all twenty-two for a play off it. I'll tell you what they. I don't remember them running any of that kind of looping motion uh, that they ran early in right. the game with the you yep. know just going like eight yards behind Jordan and and then looping back to the it line. It kind of reminded me of uh, when you watched the Dolphins play. 
Mm. You know, they always have stuff like that yeah. going on. And I, and I don't, I, I'm sure that had a lot to do with personnel or lack thereof. Yes. And I was like, man, the first quarter and a half, I'm like, Ja'Kai Douglas is going to run four miles just in motion. <laughs> just going back and forth horizontally before the ball is snapped. He was running all the time. He was in motion on every play. But by the way, we need to shout out Ja'Kai. That's a big time, uh, a big time performance from him. Um, when they needed it, man, they absolutely needed it. They were out of experience at wide receiver. They were out of wide receivers, period. And he made a couple of huge plays. And especially like, for him to be able to flush the, the bad punt judgment. Yes. Um, that The fact that they, that, he, that didn't affect the way he played from scrimmage. So, yes, but catch him, Jakai. But he did. But he did. I mean, the second he half. Came he came back was, and started catching him. Yeah. yeah. But, no, it's incredible. I mean, we're joking in our group text message, you, me, and Ira, just about, like, hey, man, Keon's not playing. Johnny's not playing. And, you know, I'm like, Josh, it's going to be the Josh Burrell game. Let's go. And, you know, I mean, Ja'Kai being 5'9", or whatever he's listed as, and some of those throws, I mean, the throws that Jordan was making when he kind of, I don't know if he either just said, screw it, I don't care that he's not 6'4", 6'7", it's still going to work. But, I mean, they ran the routes that that Johnny or Keon would, and he put the ball out there, and Ja'Kai was making the catches, man. It's, It's remarkable. And, again, he's one of those guys that came in that first recruiting class, I think. Yeah. You know, and they, a guy that no one ever heard of pulled him out of home in Louisiana. Um, you know, and they've developed that kid. He missed the first four games of the season, went down first, like, live contact of the preseason camp. And yeah. for him to be able to, you know, maybe not rock Preston-esque game, but, you know, the fact that you had those guys on, he stepped up. Yeah, incredible, man. Incredible. Well, it's cool that he broke, he got to break the rock because I think his teammates realized how important that was. And I, I just, I joked with Ira about it on the on the War Chant rap about, you know, when, when, when they started talking up, oh, Ja'Kai's rejoining the wide receiver group. Ja'Kai's getting healthy. Ja'Kai's getting back. And I just catch myself going, yeah, yeah, man, big deal. You've got Keon. You've got Johnny. Like, Ja'Kai, nice. Was he going to catch two balls this year, four balls this year? Like, that's not a big deal. For He just feels like an afterthought because of all the other big stars. Are the you the new guys that you're excited to see? But there's steady Ja'Kai, who is, has made plays in this big plays. Notre Dame, Miami, he's made huge plays in his career. Um, For him to come up and be that experienced kind of rock and make that. So I think the biggest play he made was it's 10 to 7 in the third quarter. It's third and three. Florida State had not converted a lot of third downs at that point. Mm. And Pittsburgh has all 11 dudes at the line of scrimmage, man. All of them. Because they're not scared of your wideouts. And they're like, you're not going to run for this first down. And we don't think these wide receivers can get free. To, to scare us deep. And Jordan makes a great throw. Ja'Kai does a great little kind of nudge with his body to get a little separation with the DB with the ball in the air. And it's like a 30-yard catch. And then I think Marquiston scores a couple of plays later. That changed the game. That was the game. That was one of the biggest plays of the game. Great throw by Jordan. But it also tells you, man, like, what would the score have been? You think Pitt would have defended like that if 4-14 four and 14 were playing? Oh, no. no I don't know because I looked at their stats. Because, look, they had 11 tackles for loss in that game on Saturday. Pitt did for minus 40 yards. And they're one of the leaders in the country in both of those departments. They averaged like seven tackles for loss per game. They had one game where they lost. I It might have been Virginia Tech, where Virginia Tech had 60 yards lost in rushing. Like, they fit it, whatever, Virginia Tech finished with like 180. But they had 240 positive yards, but minus 60 in tackles for loss. Like, that's what Pitt does. They just attack and attack. And I'm like, man, if they would have played that kind of defense against the normal Florida State offense, Florida State would have put up 60 points. 
in 55, you know, they would have had 700 yards. But they just didn't have the weapons to exploit it uh, really like they could have. And I just wonder if Pitt, like once they realized that Johnny and Keon were in street clothes, they're like, oh, man, let's just they are not beating us through the they are not going to run on us. We are going to make zero beat us. We're going to try to see what 21 can do and, uh, and just take our chances. And Jordan Travis is really good. And that's why they put up 24 points. Yeah, and Ira made this observation in the press box. Even when they have a bad game floor, say like it's not gonna, it didn't sink Jordan's Heisman hopes at all. And I don't even think they're gonna get any blowback when the poll comes out on Tuesday either. Oh um, no, they shouldn't. They, no. I mean, they twenty-four to seven. They won on the road by seventeen points. And if Conrad Hussey keeps his feet, it's twenty-four points. Um, but yeah, no, I thought I no, I think twenty-four to seven is fine, especially. Because people are going to know. They should. Anybody that anybody on this stupid committee, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman didn't play. Mm. Like That's a big deal. That's like Ohio State going and beating Rutgers without Marvin Harrison and whoever their number two receiver is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they didn't have to do that. Marvin Harrison caught a touchdown in that game. And Ohio State didn't look great for a long stretch of that game. I know. Like they were getting dominated. They're not dominated, but Rutgers was controlling that game. Rutgers kicked, Aslan, Rutgers kicked field goals of 20 21 and 22 yards in the first half. They got the ball inside the Ohio State yard, five yard line, three times and came away with nine points. And they threw, and they threw that pick six six inside. The kid caught it at at the Ohio State seven yard line. They were driving again. So I I think Ohio State wins that game anyway. But man, that was uh, Rutgers had plenty of chances. Ohio State just the eye test does not look like an incredible team. Um, Georgia, man, Georgia was in a dogfight. Missouri's good, though, but Georgia was in a dogfight. You know, and we'll see more about Michigan this weekend. But no, to answer your point, style points don't matter anymore at all when it comes to these games. Just win. Just win and you're in because there's only five undefeated teams left and two of them play each other. Uh, The reason I'm belly aching over the Ohio State game is because that was one of the picks I gave you folks in our weekly contest over at mybookie.ag. Promo code is WarChant. Gets you an instant cash deposit bonus. Game went off at 18 and a half. Man, that's a tough one, man. And, you, you handicapped that one perfectly. And Ohio State won by 19 points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Harlan Barnett for also knocking me off of my other pick. I thought Matt Rule would be able to walk in there with Nebraska and, and win. Uh, they did not win. They lost. So I went 0 for 2. Corey went 1 for 1. Um, 1 for 1 or 1 and 1? Sorry, 1 and 1. Okay. Um, yeah, I got to figure out how to speak this English language one of these days. Crushed it on the Thursday night game. No real sweat in that one. Boston College was able to get past Syracuse without much, yeah. uh, you know, pomp and circumstance. Fortunately, though, Virginia is not back. No, Virginia no, that was you know, and that's on me. That's on me. What does that say about again? Miami might put together the best game since A and M. They might be, they might refine themselves somehow. But what does that say about Miami that they came so close to losing to that team? Mm. At home. Like, they needed a pick six. They needed a stand late. They needed a touchdown. They needed a last-second field goal to go to – didn't they go to overtime against Virginia? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Virginia at home loses by four touchdowns to Georgia Tech. Maybe Georgia Tech's the second-best team in the ACC. Who knows? Yeah. Corey, though, three and seven on the year. I am four for six. So the margin four has Four and six. Four and six. What did I say, four for six? Yeah, you keep doing that like, like I'm playing, you're a uh, – like, like you're a free-throw shooter. Yeah, I'm four for ten. <laughs> 
I'm okay. four for ten. I'm three for ten. And he's three for ten. So, but I'm three for four in my last four. That is correct. I've turned it on. Now that I'm just concentrating on the ACC, follow me, guys. That follow me. Correct. We're going to get to the promised land. MyBookie.ag, Florida State, a 15-point favorite. The total is 50. Mm. It's crazy when you see that that small of a number and you look at this offense. Uh, we'll talk more about that matchup as we go throughout the weekend. We'll give you our two Stone. The funny thing is, you also introduce your Virginia one as like your Stone Cold Ice Lock of the Week. Yeah, whatever. Um, but it's okay. I don't even remember that. And then I told people, I'm like, I want to tell you to take Bedlam in Alabama, but I'm not going to tell you to do Bedlam in Alabama, Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Um, and I would have got those right, but I didn't. I didn't tell you those. No credit whatsoever. We'll do it again on Thursday. MyBookie.ag promo code is Warchant. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, final thoughts. Uh, any parallels at all, Corey, to Florida State, the way they looked at Pitt without their top two guys and the way maybe Georgia has looked without their top guy offensively? Uh, yeah, I think the one uh, one of the differences, I think, is that uh, I think Georgia can depend on its running game more. Um, I Look, man, I just think Georgia's more talented. But the beauty of football is uh, – you know, if you end up playing Georgia somewhere along the line, I, I we bring up Georgia because right now they're one, or no, is Michigan? Who, Ohio State's one, but I I feel like by the end of the year, if things work out the way they could work out, Georgia will be one, and there's a chance Florida State's four. You might play them. Um, you Georgia's don't have gonna to hammer Ole Miss this weekend. I feel probably like, yeah, Ole gonna, Miss. Yeah, I don't. Not I, a good I matchup think, for my guy Lane. No, I think Georgia's gonna put up. 45 or 50 points. That's not a good defense at all. If you let A&M score that much on you, <laughs> yeesh. Um, but I, I think you, if you play Georgia 10 times, you might beat them twice, once. But you only have to play them once. Like, Georgia's more talented than you, but not by much. And they would be a favor by you, but they would not be you, – you, you belong on the field with them. And uh, I, that's just when I look around the country and watch these teams. Same thing with Alabama. Um because, you know, LSU was up 28-21 on Alabama, and you housed that LSU team. Mm-hmm. So, again, you wouldn't want to play a track star at quarterback. But I, I just – you look around the country, and you see all these teams. The only team so far that has not had a close game at all is Michigan, whose schedule so far has been laughably bad. It ramps up this week, but it has been absurd how bad the teams they've played to get to 8-0 or 9-0, wherever they are. It's nuts. Uh, the best team they played is like UNLV. It's just crazy. So you look around the country, and as you said, every team has flaws. You look around at Florida. You watch Florida State on Saturday. You, there was some stuff that made you kind of, you know, a little kind of gross to watch. But every team has those stretches, man. If the fat kid from Georgia doesn't intercept Missouri, <laughs> they might lose that game. I mean, they're in position. The, Missouri's down by two at midfield with about four or five minutes to go. And he throws it right to the big kid who runs it. I shouldn't say fat kid, sorry. Big kid who runs it down to the, whatever, 10-yard line. Maybe they're up by six. I don't remember, seven. Whatever it was, Georgia put the game away. Yes. Um, but that was, I mean, that was, it was right there for Missouri to, to grab. Just like it was right there for even crappy South Carolina had a lead on Georgia in the third quarter. So no team is unbeatable. 
there are teams with more talent, but that doesn't mean they would beat you. Because, again, as you brought it up, and the one thing that gave you uh, confidence, even watching that game when things weren't going well, is I just couldn't for the life of me fathom. How was this kid? I can't pronounce the pick quarterback's name. Vayer. Christian Vayer. 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 Which is, How it's is no way. It's no, I don't know, but that's what he's telling people in Pitt to pronounce it as, but it's, it's not. no chance. Christian, no. embrace your French Canadian roots. Tell us how it's really pronounced. We'll do it, man. We're growing. Not Ver. But anyway, Veru, Veru, <laughs> uh, Croissant. Um, there's no way that kid is going to beat Jordan Travis. Right. And I know they don't play on the field at the same time, but you know what I mean? Is that kid going to really outplay Jordan Travis? Yeah. And so I think when you go into these games, you have that locked and loaded that. When you got 13 at quarterback, and especially if you have 4 and 14 with you, you got in 6 and 84 and all these other guys, you've got a real chance because the defense is good enough to keep you in games, and then 13 is special enough to go win you games and maybe go win you trophies, Um, which, you know, hey, and they're going to Charlotte, Aslan. They are. They're we're going go- to Charlotte, We're going man. to Charlotte. We're going to Charlotte. We're going to Charlotte. I, man, that's awesome. That's cool. You're guaranteed a 10 wins at the absolute worst, and you're guaranteed a chance to play for a conference championship. And I know there's bigger fish to fry, but, man, that's cool. After the uh, nine years away, you were going to be in Charlotte with a chance to win the ACC championship. The last time you were there, Dalvin Cook was a freshman. That's how long ago it was. Hmm. So Nick O'Leary was your star tight end. Now he's a GA on this team. Like uh, other guys on that team have retired from professional football and Jimbo's retired from coaching and here, he just doesn't like offense anymore. And here you are uh, about to go back there and try to win another championship. So that I just, I'm I'm excited about that, man. Legitimately. I am. He scored 35 on the road against a top 10 team. Let's see. The backup quarterback with a backup quarterback. Oh, that's true. We got to put that. And he is now, um, what is he? He's four. I don't know. I, whatever. He's four and ten. He's four and ten in his last fourteen games against uh, power, uh, FBS Power Five competition, and they have lost nine straight road games. Corey can't just focus on the happiness of Florida State fans. Yes, also give you the, the misery of the Texas A&M experience. And, and oh, Jimbo's and also failures. it's yeah, I get it, man. And I'm I'm petty. It's fine. I'm petty towards Jimbo. Well, you know why I'm petty towards Jimbo? I was thinking about this today. In the last twenty-five years, Florida State has now had three different coaches have winning streaks of at least 15. Mm. Three. I can't imagine there's another program in the United States. I should probably look this up. It would. I don't think it would be the easiest thing to do. There's no program in the United States, I wouldn't think, that's had three separate coaches go on 15-game winning streaks uh, in the about... last quarter century. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. No, in the last 25 years. Yeah, yeah. So Bowden from 99 to 2000, obviously, they won a bunch in a row. Jimbo had his 29. Norvell's at 15. And my point being... There's a reason A&M is A&M, man. Mm. When was the last time A&M had a 15-game winning streak? The 20s? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have they ever had one? And Florida State's had three different coaches in the last 25 years do it. The only one that didn't, well, we know who that was, but we don't need to bring that up. So the point being, maybe appreciate the greatness of where you at, where you are at and some inherent advantages that maybe Florida State had that a school like Texas A&M clearly doesn't have. And also, so I'm petty when it comes to that, just how Florida State was portrayed as it's it's really hard to win here. Yeah, right, man. Sure. It's actually hard to lose at Florida State. <laughs> um, but then also, uh, you know, I was a little petty about watching uh, watching what happened in Boulder, Colorado, too. Mm. Yeah, I was 
trying to sleep because I had that flight. But yeah, and Oregon State's a solid team. Uh, no, just that they're four and five, and yeah. that all of a sudden maybe he's not going to be. Maybe he's not going to change the entire profession of coaching. And correct, and, and maybe probably. unlike what they told us when they were beating Colorado State in triple overtime, maybe they aren't the hardest working coaching staff in the country. Mm. You know, and I'm not saying they're lazy or they don't work hard, but don't sit there and say. You know, behind the scenes, this is the. Don't tell me, Quinn Kessinich, that this is the hardest working coaching staff in America. And that's essentially a direct quote. It's like, all right, man, you don't know that. I'm sure they work hard. There are other coaching staffs that work plenty hard. And maybe, you know, just you know, don't, don't. He's not reinventing the wheel. He's not reinventing. You still got to have linemen. You still got to be physical. You still got to go make plays to win games. And maybe don't. I was trying to look up. So Travis Hunter played 75 snaps on offense. Or sorry, on defense, and then I was going to look up how many how many snaps he had on offense. All right. While he's looking that up, some of the inherent advantages at being at Florida 48, State. Right. 48. There so he go. played 123 snaps. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he's got I mean, put a lot of good tape out there. You know? I mean, come on, man. This kid's a top five pick, and you're playing him. Is this not the same as, like, these college baseball coaches from the 80s that would throw their aces – 212 pitches in a weekend? Well, he didn't rush him back when he lacerated his liver or whatever. <laughs> That's like, right. But when he did come back, hey, Travis, you feel like playing 140 <laughs> snaps today? Let's go, man. We need a win. Oh. Travis Hunter, by the way, is awesome. Yeah. He is an incredible college football player. Mm. Not taking anything away from that kid. I do wonder... You know, maybe he'd like to be on the number four team in the country that's undefeated that's getting to play Miami instead of a team that, you know, might not win another game this year and uh, he's about to be snowed on for the next six months. Yeah, let me see. Colorado, they've got left. They've got Arizona, Washington State, and Utah, and they're at four wins. So They could be Washington State. Washington State's falling off the cliff. Yeah. So and I, and I guess I don't think I'm alone when it comes to, like, Oh, you're not. You're not. When it I'm... comes to Jimbo and Tra and Dion, Colorado. Oh, and I don't, I don't know if people – I, my biggest problem with the Colorado thing wasn't, oh, you know, Dion's not a knoll. And it's just that it's the way the media handled it. 60 Minutes went back out there and did another story on him after he started 3-0. and And it's like, guys, calm down. Let's see what it looks like in November. Now would 60 Minutes go back out there now that he's 4-5? and five? Probably, probably not. Um. This is incredible. Uh, this is just the schedule for Florida State. And I, I, I'm sorry to go on such a weird tangent here, but just so we're all aware, has Miami this week, North Alabama after that, and then Florida. Meanwhile, Louisville's got Virginia on Thursday night at Miami and then Kentucky. So, oh, Louisville's thir this Thursday night? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So you've got the luxury of being able to basically use North Alabama to game plan all you want for Florida and Louisville. Um, you know, meanwhile, Florida's got LSU in Baton Rouge at Missouri and then Florida State. They play so, LSU on the road? Yes. So they got back-to-back -back road games before yes. Florida State? Wow. All right. I mean, I'm, again, this comes back to, like, I spoke to somebody at the airport on the way back and, you know, huge Florida State fan, diehard, passionate, but, like, see some of the things happen in games, like the trick plays and the fourth down plays. And, like, man, like, we just can't we can't squander this opportunity away with this team that we have. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this, this schedule, these players, like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you know, knock on wood, your, your health so far, even though you didn't have two of those guys this past game, but you expect to have them back this week. 
you need that kind of stuff and it's all aligned. So it's like, just don't trip yourself up because it's kind of paved quite nicely for you to get where you want to go. But who knows? Yeah. Louisville could lose the next two, you know, these, they could lose on Thursday night, lose to Miami, and then maybe we'll play Boston college again. But it's just crazy to see who you might be matched up with in that nice kind of soft landing you have. I tell you what, but Louisville, Louisville looks, and I say this knowing that I'm probably going to jinx them and they're going to lose to Virginia, but they look, I mean, to beat Virginia Tech the way they did, I think they've given up, I think they've given up six points in the last two games total. I didn't, I haven't, I haven't watched any of their games, but I've looked at some of the box, but I don't want to comment on it. Yeah, I've only seen box scores, but yeah, I mean, they, yeah, but, but I mean, I haven't either. I haven't gotten to watch much of them, but uh, clearly they're a pretty good team. They, they yeah. had an awful, and they beat Notre Dame pretty handily. Like this, they, they legitimately, they're a top 10 ish team. And if they win out, which they very well could, because you look at the way theirs is lined up, they have a tougher schedule. But you know they could at least, at worst, they could should be ten and two, and ranked in the top fifteen. And if they win the next three games, which I think they'll be favored to, maybe not North. You said they play Carolina. No, they don't. No, no, they got Virginia on Thursday this week at home. Then they're at Miami, and then they host Kentucky. And they're at Miami after. Miami plays Florida State. Right, and the dagger so, has been driven fully through their thorax. You hope. Yeah. yeah, you hope. So, I mean, look, man, they're going to be favored in all those games, most certainly. And they could come into Charlotte 11-1 and and like, number eight in the country. And that's going to look much better than whoever plays Ohio State, Michigan in the yeah. Big Ten championship game. Congrats to Iowa for that big win, by the way. Did you see that there was actually six baseball games played in Wrigley Field this year that had more points, more runs yeah. scored than points scored by two – Top level power five yes. football team. Yes. Uh the well, the wind was blowing in. All right. You're right. You're right. It's a Wrigley Field joke. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Yeah. So yeah. And then I don't know who knows who knows what's gonna happen in the the big and then the big twelve right now is a mess, right? With Oklahoma losing Bedlam. So Texas, I don't even know who they're maybe Kansas State they end up playing them again. Or Oklahoma State, right? I guess yeah, Oklahoma State's got an inside yeah. track on that too. So that's not gonna particularly look all that great. So it's and Texas really got fortunate. Yeah, missed extra point, that like botched And snap. that's the thing, man. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm not watching much of that game. I can't remember. I, I was watching Notre Dame-Clemson game. By the way, well done, Tyler. From buy that stock. Spartanburg. Buy that uh, stock. Buy that Tyler, stock, man. Tyler Sweeney, third yeah. cousin removed. Yeah, Clemson's back, baby. Taking one for the team. Uh, but um, So I was watching that game mostly, but I, I just looked at Twitter, and it was like, man, Texas is for real. Texas is no joke. Right. Texas looks like they should be in. Like, I'm seeing all this on Twitter, and then I, I, and then thirty minutes later, they're trailing, mm. and they they won by three points. I know they're on their backup quarterback, which is absolutely a big deal. Uh, but you know they're not world beaters either. Now, you know they they do they are having to play without one of the better quarterbacks in the country, so you have to keep that uh, an open mind there. But all these teams, man, all these teams have had their Boston College game, mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Some so, multiple. Some of them. Yes. Multiple. So. Just keep winning, beat your rivals this weekend, and then uh, get really healthy against North Alabama. Well said. All right, we're done, but not uh, for the day. We'll be talking to Coach Norvell and the coaches, so check out warchant.com. We'll have the summary, courtesy of Corey Clark's hard-working fingers, typing Mm. it out for you. We'll have the interviews also up on the website as well as the YouTube channel. Again, shout-out to you over 40,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, hey, what? before we go, man, we got to give a special shout out to uh, Brian Pinsky and the the FSU women's soccer team. Uh, won their fourth straight ACC championship on Sunday. Beat Clemson two to one. 
Um, so yeah, just they're going to be a number. They'll probably be the number one seed in the whole NCAA tournament. Um, I feel like this is probably the best regular season that pro, the, the teams ever had. Um, but yeah, so they'll they will play. The way it works is that they if they keep winning, they will play the next four games at home, and then the College Cup I think is in Cary, North Carolina, the same field they were for the ACC championship. But shout out, they won the ACC championship again. They're really good as always. Your guy Spence, by the way. Uh, oh, did you see him on the flight? Yeah, he's on the same flight as us. Fly, fl- flew in a different part of the plane than Ira and I. Um, <laughs> well, right. But Understood. it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Uh, but he was saying something. He's got some sort of family wedding going on, I think, that coincides with like the College Cup. Yes. And, he was, and his wife was like, you're not missing this wedding. And he's like, babe, like... It's yeah. the college cup though. It's it's awesome to see people are like that passionate about Florida State sports outside of what happens in, in that brick cathedral. And uh, he flew out to uh whenever they won their last one, which was I think in Santa Clara, he flew out there for yeah. just that game and then flew back on the red eye when it was done. It's cool to know there are fans like that out there. Yeah. Spencer, shout out to you, buddy. Yeah. And he's a huge softball fan too. He flies out to Oklahoma City uh, every year the the Knolls make it. And last one, the Florida State men's basketball team. Uh, did have an exhibition, their second one of the season. Uh, the regular season, the official regular season actually starts today in college basketball. Florida State doesn't play until later in the week, but they beat Valdosta State 90-67. to I think Baba and uh, Cam Fletcher had 12 apiece. And uh, our man Jameer Watkins had six steals. I like that. And six assists and 19 points and 10 rebounds. Well, okay. All right. All right, Jameer Watkins. I like that. Yeah. So, uh didn't, didn't shoot all that well from three, didn't shoot well from the free throw line, got out-rebounded, uh, but won by 21 points, so good job, or 23 points, so maybe they're turning it around. And the football team's 9-0 as well, everybody. Yeah, so. 9-0, top four in the country, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cameron Show, 1-3 to 3 o'clock, that's coming up as well. He's Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up or Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Grill.